Isaiah chapter 30 in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 30, and I got to mention kudos to you who read the email and knew I was preaching and came anyway, and those who didn't, you're thinking, boy, I'm going to check the emails from now on, so I uh, can show up when my favorite preacher's there, uh, Pastor Barber being, of course. Anyway, glad that you're here, look forward to what the Lord will do. This is something the Lord laid on my heart just in devotions. And I feel like it goes really just hand in hand with exactly what Pastor Barbara was saying on Sunday. How that when you're doing right and you get attacked, man, it's tempting to fight back or to run for cover in all the wrong places. And in Isaiah chapter 30, God uses the prophet Isaiah to speak to his people and to remind them that there's hope in waiting on God. And sometimes the pain we feel, the pressure, the anxiety we feel, yeah, it's a result of others. You know, we're minding our own business, we're doing the right thing, and we get attacked. That does happen. Um, but often, and is, as is the case with Israel in Isaiah chapter 30, some of the pain and anxiety that we feel is a product of our own making. And in that time, we still need to run and rest and hope and wait in God. And unfortunately, we run sometimes to all the wrong places for cover, for consolation, and for counseling. So let's run to God. Let's rest in Him. Let's return to God when we're feeling the pressures of life. So let's jump in to Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 18. Again, Isaiah here is... Um, preaching to the leadership in Israel. And the situation was that, that Israel was uh, not living according to the law of God, not loving God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, and their neighbor as themselves, oppressing the poor, living in idolatry. And God is announcing judgment um, on other nations and even through other nations on Israel. And talks about the... Uh, the captivity that will come, but God's promise and deliverance through it. But again, here in Isaiah chapter 30, here's a hurting people. There's threat of invasion. Um, and so there's real anxiety and real fear and real pain and pressure they're feeling in this passage. And he reminds them where they need to run as opposed to the worldly alliances that we often make. So let's jump in and uh, we'll, we'll see what the prophet Isaiah, what, the, what God says to the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel and what we can learn through it. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 1. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel but not of me, and that cover with a covering but not of my spirit that they may add sin to sin. Oh, that's, that's a sad verse right there. Verse 2, That walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. How sad it is that in our pain, whether it's our, of our making or not, we often run to the shadow of the world rather than the shadow of the Almighty for rest, for respite and, and for cover. Verse 3, Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame, and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. For his princes were at Zoan, and his ambassadors came to Hanes. 
verse 5, they were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be in help nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. The burden of the beasts of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent that will carry their riches upon the shoulder of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. And you can think of Israel making an alliance with Egypt and saying, hey, if we get into trouble, if Assyria attacks us or surrounding nations attack us, would you come to our aid? Uh, and, and here, we'll pay you with all of these riches and gold and silver and food and spices and maybe animals. And you see this caravan going down into Egypt, right? Led by these servants into a land uh, because they're thinking, hey, this is an investment that will pay off. This is a bad investment, folks. This, this investment is going to be to the shame of the people of Israel because these people are not going to profit the nation of Israel. They should have turned their focus to God for help. Verse 7, For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit still. That's a powerful verse, folks. Their, their strength is to sit still. Verse 8, Now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. And here it is now. We're reading it. This testimony against them and their misplaced faith and trust and hope. Let it be a reminder to us to put our hope and faith in the right place. Verse 9, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seer, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Verse 12, Wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, Because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression, and perverseness, and stay, or, or lean thereon. Therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach, ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it assured, to take the fire from the hearth. Not even a, a, enough of a piece to pick a coal up out of the fire. Or to take water with all of the pit. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not. But ye said no. For we will flee upon horses Therefore shall ye flee, and we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they that pursue you be swift. They, they can't escape their enemy, their adversary, their fears, their doubts, their problems. Though they flee upon swift horses, 
uh, God is saying, your problems are going are to follow you just as quick. Verse 17, 1,000 shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall ye flee, till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain and as an ensign on a hill. That's the idea of a tree that has been stripped bare of its branches and its bark, and it stands like this bare um, example on a hill of, of destruction and of um, a people being destitute and robbed of what they had because they trusted in someone who could not help them rather than in the Lord. An ensign or, or a flag on a hill like a, like a marker. It, it, it was meant to be that Israel, having trusted in Egypt and in worldly alliances rather than in God, would be uh, put to shame so that others would look and go, wow, look at that. It's something that would be visible and not hidden. It, it was meant to be an example to the world of what happens when God's people put their faith in the wrong thing. Verse 18, And therefore will the Lord wait. There's a blessed promise in the midst of this sad commentary on the people of Israel. And if you continue to read verse, uh, through 19, 20, and 21, you'll see some beautiful promises that God makes to the people of Israel. Let's continue in verse 18. He will wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage that is a commentary and a testimony against the people of Israel at a low point when they were trusting in idols and trusting in worldly alliances with wicked nations to protect them from what they thought to be imminent threat. Father, when we get our eyes off of you and off of your promises, we can be fearful, we can feel anxious, sometimes depressed. Um, we, we turn our focus inward to our own safety. We, we begin to look for cover and counsel and consolement from places and sources other than you and your word, and it's wrong. Lord, help us not to be rebellious children as the people of Israel were. Help us not to just give you lip service, but may our behavior and our hearts match what we say we believe. We believe that you're good. We believe that you're all-powerful and that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But do we live in such a way that matches what we say we believe? Dear God, help us to be quick to turn to you, to trust you for cover, for rest, for salvation. When we feel the pressures of life, when we feel attacked, when we feel hurt. Lord, please bless, use me, get me out of the way. And Lord, give your people a message, a truth to cling to, to help us to be successful in this world and to help others out of despair. Have the glory tonight, please, I beg you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So just like Israel in this passage, we live in a world where there are people who are hurting and feel depressed, they feel anxiety, um, and that's, that's not something that we can just ignore and say, well, they need to get over it, they need to deal with it. Those feelings that they have are very real. And whether um, 
the situations or the causes that they believe are causing them to feel that way are accurate or not isn't really the point. They're hurting, they're desperate, and maybe that's some of us in this room right now. We've been hurt. And whether that is by our own making because we've been headlong into sin and we're suffering the consequences, or we've been doing the right thing and we've been attacked, maybe... um, I have been the source of your hurt. Maybe someone next to you or behind you or above you uh, is the source of your hurt and your pain. But we have to remember that whatever the source of pain and however deep we go into that hole, we shouldn't be turning to ourselves or to the world or to any other source for rest, for refreshment, for safety, for cover, We shouldn't be turning to anything else but than the Lord himself. And that's the message that God is giving to the people of Israel. What what does he say about the children of Israel, his chosen nation in verse 1? What does he call them? He gives a woe to a rebellious people, rebellious children. Woe to the rebellious children. You can go to the next slide there. So it's interesting because these are God's people. And they, with their mouth, they have pledged allegiance potentially to Jehovah, God. And we are God's children, but sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we are hurting or our our brother or sister in Christ is hurting. And if we're not careful, if we are on the throne of our hearts, if we are at the center of our own universe, we we can begin to get very Uh, bitter and angry and frustrated at the hurts that we're feeling. You remember on Sunday, Pastor Barber asked the question, who is it that we're defending? And when we're hurt, if we're quick to turn and defend ourselves, we should ask ourselves, am I at the center of my universe? Am I on the throne of my heart? So that when I feel hurt or frustrated or attacked, I think that's not fair. Because I should feel comfortable. And if plans aren't working out the way that I thought that they would, do I get frustrated and angry and bitter because I feel that the universe should bow down to my will? Because I'm the God of my universe. I'm the center of my universe. I'm the king of my own heart. And everybody else ought to recognize that. So you ought to give me the respect I deserve. Life should work out according to my will, my way, my plans. And when it doesn't, it's not fair. It's not right. And if that's the case, we're believing a lie. And so he says, woe to a rebellious children. Yes, they're his children, but he calls them rebellious because of the way they're reacting to their pain. They're not running to Jehovah and say, God, whether this pain is a making of my own cause and my own sin, forgive me, or if it's just a nation oppressing us, um, Lord, we're coming to you for refuge. But instead, they go to a people that is godless. They go to a source that can give no help whatsoever. And God, because of that, says they're rebellious. And it may be that you're hurting. It may be that you have been wronged It may be that you're feeling pressures of life, anxiety, maybe even depression, thoughts of suicide. But are we rebellious in our response? 
Do we, do we run to God and say, God, you are the center of my universe. And if you will that I feel this pain, that's okay. Because I want you to be glorified through it. And I want others to see me go through this pain, this anxiety, whatever it may be, with joy in my heart and overcoming and because it's an opportunity to glorify him to show to the onlooker that God is at the center of my universe. When someone is hurting uh, physically, we, we had a long list on a prayer request, right? But when they, do you remember Marie um, Miles? Marie Miles? Marie Place, I'm sorry. That's another lady I know. <laughs> Marie Place went through a lot of suffering. Did you ever really hear her complain? She was always so joyful and say, that God was good, God was awesome, she's doing fantastic. And we look at a person like that and we say, what is the source of your hope? How do you do that? And what are they, what are they able to do? They're able to give glory to God, right? If we are always rich, fat, and happy, and there's no problems in life, and we have a smile on our face, does anybody really wonder why we're happy? No, because everything's going well. And they say, no wonder they're happy because they're rich, fat, and happy, right? Everything's going just fine for them. But when the Christian suffers, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to give God glory. And that's how God wants us to respond to the pain that we feel. Yes, Israel was feeling pain at this point in their history. They were about to be attacked by the Assyrians. Uh, they had other enemies surrounding them. Uh, there were some some pain. There was some pain that was a product of their own sin. Yes, but what their response was brought shame to the name of God. So let our response be one that gives God the glory. Make sure that you're running to God for your refuge. So what is causing the irritation? It might be like I said that Satan's just attacking you. Job was minding his own business, wasn't he? When he got attacked. And Satan asked that very question. Yeah, no kidding he's happy, Lord, because you're blessing him. Let me touch him and touch his health and take his kids and take his riches and he'll curse you to his face. And God said, okay, go ahead. And maybe God is allowing that for you. I don't know. Boy, I hope that I would respond like Job in that situation. I hope I never have to experience what he experienced, but what an opportunity. And Job through it all, what does the Bible say? He didn't sin, he sinned not right? And God even matured him and blessed him beyond that. And what, what a testimony it is even today to us of what God can do and, and uh, how God glorified himself through the life of Job. And so whether the cause of your irritation and hurt is, and pain is, hey, you're doing right, you don't have sin in your life, and Satan's just attacking you, well, give God the glory. Run to him. Rest in him. Or maybe the cause of your irritation is you're, you're in sin. The people of Israel were in idolatry at this time. The, the, the uh, leaders of Israel, the prophets, um, the priests, the, 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 you know, the, the, the king, um, many were oppressing the poor for their own benefit. They were um, giving God lip service, but with their lives they were living um, just a filthy, a filthy life and profaning the name of God to the surrounding nations. And they were experiencing pain 
because God was withholding his blessing from them. Whatever the cause of irritation, run back to God and find out what it is, how it is that you need to respond. Um, he calls them a rebellious children because of the way that they responded. Let's be careful that we don't respond in the same way that Israel did, seeking cover, consolation, and counsel from the world. And this is, this is a really sad truth that we see often in, in churches. Someone gets hurt, whether it's because of their sin or they perceive a hurt from someone else in the congregation. You probably uh, can relate. You, you, you've either been hurt yourself or you know someone who's been offended by another church member or a staff member or a pastor. And how do we often see them respond? Well, they turn around and hightail it out of the church and say the church is full of hypocrites. They don't care. Um, they're only interested in themselves and they run to the world for consolation. They, they, they believe that the world cares more about them. Now, um, I hope that's not the case. I hope that we show genuine love and concern for people that are hurting so that they, don't, they aren't led to believe that. But we often run to worldly counsel, worldly friends, worldly organizations because we feel that we can get cover or safety. We believe that we can get consolation, counsel uh, from that source and it's not the response that God has designed for you and me. The response that God intends for you and me as his children is to turn inward towards the church and upward to himself. And if we respond in any other way, we're acting like rebellious children. We are at the center of our universe. We believe that we've been offended and it's not right, it's not fair, and there needs to be justice, as Pastor Barber preached on Sunday. We believe however we're perceiving the hurt, the pain, the, uh, the offense, we believe that, that there's no way that uh, this should happen to me. And we forget very quickly that God is God and that he allowed it and that he has a plan for you that is good. And we run to worldly alliances for cover and concealment, for consolation and for counsel. What is the result of those worldly alliances? Well, shame and reproach. We don't glorify God in the church. We don't grow as a Christian as God intends us to do. We, we become instead bitter, um, which often destroys the church and destroys us, destroys our testimony. How many Christians do you know who have been hurt run to the world for consolation and counsel, and then their lives are a testimony of, yup, just another Christian who was hurt in a hypocritical church, realized the sham that the church is, and retreated to the world. And that only encourages and emboldens other Christians to do the same. But when we respond the way that we're supposed to and realize that, wait, God is the center of my universe, God is on the throne of my heart, and if he allows this hurt and pain, even from another church member, even from another brother or sister in Christ, if I run for rest to God, if I be still, as the Bible in, um, instructs Israel, he says in, um, in, in uh, let's read it, verse, uh, where did it go? In verse seven, their, their strength is to sit still. 
Christian, when you're hurt and you're offended and you're reeling and you, you're, you're, you're feeling uh, abandoned, don't retreat to the world. Stand still. Recognize that God is God. God is good. God has a plan and a purpose for that pain. And let him use that in your life to glorify himself and to bring healing to the church and, and possibly bring in others to the church. What a testimony it would be rather than running to the world and running to worldly alliances. And I'm going to talk about that here in a minute, what that means. And, and putting a blot on the name of Christ. Let's react in a way um, that we, we look to Christ and say, hey, he was bruised for my iniquities. He, he had no sin, but became sin for us. He took it on the chin for you and me. He was without offense, but took our offenses. If my master and my Lord can do that, shouldn't I? So when my brother or my sister cause me hurt or pain, don't go into de- the depths of despair and run to cover any other, to any other source but the God of the Bible. And what a testimony that would be that in the church, people are standing still, putting God back on the throne and saying, it's not me that deserves the, the, the worship. It's not me uh, that should say, hey, that's not fair. I want to look to God for what is fair and right and good. And Lord, if you allow this hurt and pain in my life, I will glorify you. What a testimony. Because it's when we go through the pain that the world looks on and say, how in the world can you love him or her and forgive him or her when they've offended you so deeply, when they've hurt you so deeply? Well, it's because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me. And if God forgave me for Christ's sake, I'm willing to forgive my brother and sister. Let's give God the glory in the church through those offenses. Because others will look on and ask the reason for your hope. Again, if God didn't allow any pain or suffering in your life, nobody would care or, or um, care to know why you're happy. They would figure it out. You're rich. You're blessed. No wonder you're happy. But it's when the Christian goes through that pain, they have an opportunity to glorify God. Uh, some of the things that we run to for cover. He says, he says you uh, took counsel, but not of me, and cover with a covering or protection, but not of my spirit. What are some of the things that we run to for that cover, that consolation, and that counsel? We run to distractions. We run to uh, entertainment. We run to fantasy, movies, um, social media, hobbies, social events. We run to substance abuse, drug, alcohol, or food, sexual sins, uh, laziness. We run to workaholism. All these things that take our focus away from the pain, we drown ourselves in these distractions and we just get deeper and deeper into the bitterness. Uh, And we're running to these worldly alliances to find cover and consolation rather than to the God of the Bible. Bring him your pain and let him deal with it. It's more painful and more difficult to do that, but be still. Don't run to the worldly alliances that we so quick. Don't pick up your phone and scroll through Facebook. Don't get on TikTok or on the movie or on whatever it may be that soothes the pain. That's what Israel did. They ran to Egypt because they thought there we'll find protection. There we'll find consolation. There we'll get counsel to 
uh, protect us from the threat of the Assyrians. And they were chastised for it. This prophecy was written because of that rebellious response to the pain that they were feeling. And in our own way, we run to those worldly alliances all the time and we never get better, we never heal because we're not being still. We're not finding refuge in our God, but we're running to everything else that the world has to offer. And God says, stop. Stop running down to Egypt because it's going to be to your shame. That's all it brings. It, when we run to substances or activities, distractions instead of our God, it's to our shame and it's to our reproach. Verse 5, it says, there is no prophet. And it says, yes, Egypt would come to their aid, but to no prophet. And often the things that we run to are an aid, at least temporarily. When we indulge in flesh, fleshly lusts, distractions, or worldly cover, whether it's counsel or friendship with the world, there is an immediate and temporary soothing of the pain. We feel consoled. We feel um, accepted. We feel like, hey, uh, there's a release and a relief here. But it is a lie from the devil because it doesn't make it better. It only allows the hurt to fester into bitterness and eventually shame and reproach, not only in your life, but to potentially to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. Israel was supposed to be a light on a hill rather than this stripped down bare trunk of a tree to where people would look at Israel and say, what a shame. They didn't trust in their God and are, often the Gentiles, what would they say? They trusted in their God and look at them now. Jehovah couldn't come through for them and they were emboldened in their rebellion against Jehovah. Is that the case with you and me? Do we run to worldly cover only to be shamed and then eventually to bring shame to the name? Of, yeah, he said he was a Christian, but psh, look, at the, look at what he's involved in now. Church didn't work for him. The Bible didn't work for him. It'll be a shame and reproach. No prophet. And then let's look at verse 8. Will we ever really find peace and safety in those worldly alliances? Verse 8, it says this, now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. There's a testimony against the people of Israel because of where they ran for cover and consolement and counsel. This is a testimony forever against that response. And the word of God is a testimony against the Christian who will run to any other source for cons consolement of their hurt and their pain, their anxiety, their depression, whatever it may be, if it's anything else than the Lord. Uh, there's an instability in worldly alliances. Look at verses 12 and 13. He says this, Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despised his word, this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon, oppression of the poor, um, some believe that this was um, the leadership in Israel's way of procuring all the, the goods to pay to Egypt, to oppress the poor, make themselves fat and rich, and then to pay Egypt to protect them. Uh, neglect of God's word to take care of those who were hurting, who were less privileged, etc. Perverseness, the sin of um, 
the nations around them. And they stay thereon. They rest or they trust in these things. He says, uh, verse 13, Therefore this iniquity shall be to you as an breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking cometh suddenly at, as at an instant. So think of a wall and for uh, Israelites at this period um, in, in the city of Israel, what would a wall communicate? Safety, right? You, you build the wall to keep the enemy out. And when they go and they trust in worldly alliances, it's like there's a breach in the wall, a swelling out, like there's um, the integrity has been compromised and it's swelling out. There's a, there's a hole in the wall, a weak spot in the wall. And when there's a weak spot in the wall, what happens to the rest of the wall? Often, it will come tumbling down and their safety will be compromised, will be removed because they trusted in a worldly alliance that compromised the integrity of the wall. Their trust, their stay on, on the perverseness of the worldly alliances that they ran to rather than their God caused a breach in the wall. And folks, God has given us everything we need to defend against Satan's attacks, to have a successful and godly Christian life and home and for the church to go and reach this world with the gospel and make a difference in our community. But when you and me, because of our hurts, because of our pains and our frustrations, turn instead to those worldly alliances, whatever they may be, I don't know what it is that you turn to. When we do that, we weaken the safety that God has put around us. We give the enemy an opportunity. Because Israel trusted in Egypt, it was to their own shame. Israel didn't come to their rescue. Israel knew they couldn't handle Assyria. Um, matter of fact, Assyria would take Egypt uh, in, in several decades after this. And then eventually Babylon would come and take Israel and Judah. Their trust in the alliances around them rather than in their God, Jehovah, was to their own shame and doom. Had Israel said, no, we're not going to trust in Egypt. We're not going to trust in the, the nations around us. We're going to put our trust in Jehovah God and in the promises of this word. They could have been victorious. And they could have been a light on a hill to the rest of the world of what Jehovah could do. And when you and I suffer pain and anxiety, uh, frustrations, whatever it may be, where do we turn? Do we turn to uh, all the things that I've mentioned before or some other thing? And the world looks at our church and says, there's no, there's no difference there. They turn to their hobbies, they turn to their, to their phones or their entertainment, whatever it may be. You're no different Christian. So top, stop telling me that I need to trust in the God of the Bible. But when we go through pain and suffering, it's an opportunity to turn our attention to the God of the Bible and to His promises. And there's safety there. The devil doesn't have an opportunity to breach the wall. And it's an opportunity to be a light to the world. And then in verses 16 and 17, when we trust in anything else but God, we tend to flee from our problems, right? We run toward these indulgences that drowned our sorrows. We, we flee from our problems. We try to ignore them. But will we ever really find peace and safety? Look what he says. But you said no, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall ye flee. You're always going to be running from your problems. You'll never find 
safety. You'll never find real consolement and be able to grow and mature to the point where God can use you. Therefore, it says, we will ride upon the swift. Oh, our horses will be fast. Man, we'll outrun our problems. We'll outrun our adversary. We'll make it to Egypt and safety behind the walls there before Assyria could ever get to us. And he says, therefore, shall they that pursue you be swift. Can you really outrun your problems? Can you really um, hide from the, the pain that you're feeling by drowning them in distractions, etc.? The only place that you'll really find cover, concealment, consolement is from the God of the Bible. And I just lost my notes. Give me just a quick second. So he talks about a rebellious children, and I know I'm going over here. Forgive me. He, he gives them, however, a reminder to return. Look at verse, verse 5. He says, They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be a help, nor repro- a profit, but a shame and a reproach. Trusting in the world brings nothing but shame and reproach. But in verse 7 he says, For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. This is what the, the prophet Isaiah is crying about. This is what he's prophesying about. He says, their strength is to sit still. Christian, when you go through pain or hurt from another brother or sister, whatever it may be, if you're feeling frustration because your plan isn't working out the way that you thought it would be, check, check to see who's on the throne of your heart, who's at the center of your universe. Put God back on that throne. Put God back at the center Be still and recognize that he is God and he has this already worked out. Rest there. Be still and there you will find your strength. Verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning, come back to the safety of Israel. Get out of Egypt. In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness. And in confidence shall be your strength that ye would not. You often see people with the headphones on everywhere they go, trying to drown out everything else that's going on, trying to, to, to have some distraction from thinking about their life. But God says, no, 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 it's in quietness and in confidence and in returning and resting. Yeah, we might think about our problems, but what does that drive us to? It drives us to turn to the God who saved us, to the God who created us, not to the distractions that the world offers. And in that pain, as we turn to Him, it gives us an opportunity to be used by Him to glorify Himself and to heal the hurts that exist among us. And for the world to look and say, that is a real family. They don't run from their problems. They don't run from their their hurts. They don't get offended in church and then run to the world and leave the church behind never to return. They turn to their God and they look for healing and rest and counsel in their God. And it is in that strength that they receive from that that they're able to go to their brother or sister and say, will you forgive me? Or can we deal with this? They're able to to deal with the frustrations of their life in perspective and say that the frustrations I feel at work, the frustrations I feel in my home, 
It's okay because God is on the throne. He knew it was coming. He allowed it. What can I learn, God? How can I glorify you in this? How should I respond? So put down the phones. Put, put, put away the entertainment. Put away those substances that help you to soothe the pain and take your pain to the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, the one who could deliver from the Assyrians. Give your pain to him. Return. Because in returning, there's a promise of blessing. In, verses, in verse 18, what does the Bible say? He says, and therefore will the Lord wait. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to put aside the worldly alliances, to come to your senses, and realize that in the world there's no real healing. You can drown your pain for a moment. You can forget the hurt. You can be bitter and try to get revenge against the offender but God is waiting for you to put that aside, to get out of Egypt, to come back to the safety of the walls that God has put up and said, will you trust and rest here? Will you let me do the healing? Will you let me protect from the adversary? Will you respond in a way that will give me glory and bring you to a point of maturity? He waits to give us grace. Look what he says. He says, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious unto you. God was ready and willing to pour out his grace on the nation Israel. If they were to turn from their idols and from their distractions and from their oppression and their worldly alliances to the God who called them to be a people. Will we as a church turn to the God who has called us to be a church? Who has called us out from the world to be a peculiar people? united with the same mind in Jesus Christ. He is waiting to be gracious. He waits for you to exalt Him in your trial. Whatever pain you're experiencing, come to Him, rest in Him. He will be exalted. That's why we exist, by the way. He waits to extend mercy. He says this, and therefore will He be exalted that He may have mercy upon you. If we got justice, what we really deserved, we wouldn't like it. We'd, we'd <laughs> like a hot potato, ooh, don't want that one. But he's willing to be merciful. He's waiting to give mercy. For the Lord is a God of judgment. You see, when we're hurt often, as Pastor Barbara preached, remember, we want to set it right. We want to go pick up all those, those feathers and put them back. No, 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 he said this, and on this date I have a record, and he said, and she said, and this happened. And we want to set the record straight. We want justice. I was offended. You did me wrong. Can we really set it all right? But God is the God of justice. He knows. He can discern what was right, what was wrong, what he said, she said. But just go to him. Give it to the judge. You trust in the God of this world who, who judges the thoughts and intents of the heart through his word. You give it to the God who knows uh, he has a record of every action, every thought, every, every word. You give it to him. He is the God of judgment. And then he waits to bless us. Blessed are all they that wait for him. When we turn to him in our pain, in our hurt, in our fears, our anxiety, there we find strength. Strength, it doesn't mean that the problems go away. What did Israel need when the enemy was attacking? God God did not always just send an angel and wipe out the enemy, did he? Often, he called Israel, he said, take up your sword and take this leader and follow him and do this and march here and blow the trumpet and, 
And there was some fighting. There was some hand-to-hand combat. There was some effort given. But in resting in the Lord and returning to the safety that He offers, we find the strength to deal with the pain. That is where we find healing. That is where we overcome. And that is where God is ultimately glorified. And we are a light and a testimony to this world. And so finally, just a reminder, there is hope in waiting on God. Just as Israel was called to be victorious over the nations around them, had they obeyed the word that God had given to them, the world would have looked on as a city on a hill that was, that was a light, a beacon to the world of, look at what Jehovah can do through this nation. They're untouchable. Let's go and find out the secret. Rather, they ran to worldly alliances, lost the safety, there was a breach in the wall, and the enemy attacked and overcame. And it was a shame and a reproach, not only to them, but to their God. And the Gentiles defamed the name of God because they ran to worldly alliances. Let us as a church return to the God of the Bible in our pain and our suffering and our frustrations. Put God back on the throne. Recognize that he allowed it. Rest in him. Trust in his hand, in his safety. And receive the mercy, the, ju- the, the, the blessing that he offers. May we through our pain find hope in waiting on God because God is waiting for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that this passage tonight would remind us of the mistakes that Israel made in running to worldly alliances, and sometimes we do that. We run to substances or distractions or um, ungodly friendships and look for consolation and counsel and, and cover. Lord, forgive us for looking anywhere else but to you and to your word for the hope we need to not only endure the pain but to be victorious through it for your glory. Lord, I pray that if there is hurt and offense in this place, that we would turn to you for the strength we need to make it right. Make us a family, God. I pray that we would see the hurts around us and that we would not neglect them uh, or just leave them to deal with it, but that we would reach out in love and concern to restore that brother or sister. Lord, I pray that no one would be tempted to run to the world because they feel neglected or hurt here. Lord, give us insight there, and I pray you'd be glorified. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.